What's up, Tiaholics? Welcome back to the Tea on Crime. It's your host, Britt. And I'm the co-host, Jessica, wife and true crime skeptic. Just as a reminder before we get started, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply our own and are only presented to educate. We've linked the case sources in the episode notes below. Hold on real quick, you guys. We're jumping into an ad. This is episode 15, and this week I'm telling you the story of the Rat Man of Japan. Can you believe this is episode 15? (laughs) No. Also, can you say that first name for me? Because I've been practicing and I'm going to screw it up. Oh, the Japanese first name? Yeah, if you could pronounce that. It's Tsutomu. Miyazaki. I've got the last name. Yeah, Tsutomu. <laughs> okay, so that's who we're talking about this week. And like I said, he is also known as the Rat Man of Japan. So Tsutomu Miyazaki. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Great. Before we get started on this case, I have to give a trigger oh, warning. No. This case involves crimes against children and horrible acts. Please take care while listening. Have you just been on like this weird against children kick lately? I feel like you've been doing a disclaimer every single case recently. Well, because I feel like every single case recently has been horrific. So I'm just trying to give a forewarning there. I'm confused. Are they all technically horrific? Well, technically. (laughs) Okay. When you're desynthetized because you're a true crime fanatic. Miyazaki was born August 21st, 1962 in Tokyo, Japan, and was the oldest son of a wealthy mother and father. He came from a well-respected family, but unfortunately, he was born into darkness. His mother was his sister. He was born prematurely and was born with a birth defect. He was unable to have full use of his hands, his joints fused together, and he was unable to bend his wrist completely, so he would often keep his hands hidden from anyone around him. Interesting. Yeah, and if you're interested in seeing that, we have linked pictures on our social media so that you can go and get a look at that because it's very interesting and it's quite sad. Is it very, what's the word I'm looking for? Can you tell? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, you can. And I wondered if it has something to do with the fact that his mother is his sister. That was a little interesting. Or if it was just a random thing that happened to him. Oh, so as in, oh, you know what I'm saying? So the whole incest thing. Right. So maybe that's what caused it. I'm not sure. Incest does breed defects. So yeah. As you can imagine, he was highly bullied in school. His classmates found him disgusting. His parents were neglectful. His sisters would set mouse traps in his room so that he would step on them. Oh, wow. Because life was terrible and he felt very isolated, he developed an alter ego that he would refer to as someone with superpowers and like a cartoon superhero. He called him Ratman. How sad. Yeah. These facts are important to show how the Ratman of Japan was created. He had no heroes, let alone superheroes, in his life. He was very much without love. I don't want anyone to be mistaken. These are simply facts building to his character. By no means am I feeling sorry for this man, but what a horrible life he did live. So essentially, you're setting the platform. It looks like the facts that you've laid out, it's his family helped him develop into who he's about to become. Oh, yeah. And the fact that he didn't have any friends. And I mean, can you imagine his sister is setting rat traps in his room? So his parents are neglectful. He goes home and he's basically alone after being in school all day and not having any friends. He's alone there as well. Mm-hmm. So it's really sad. You can tell what kind of life he obviously had lived. Miyazaki kept to himself and rarely participated in social events or made any friends. 
He found happiness in drawing comics while he was home alone. Even though he wasn't a social student, he was a a successful one, and he ranked in the top 10 of his class. He moved from elementary school to high school in Japan and remained a star student with hopes of becoming a teacher. Interesting. Which I thought was an interesting career choice. He was bullied all through school and didn't like to be around people, but he wanted to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. His hopes never came true and his grades dropped dramatically. He went to 40th to 56th in his high school class. And because of this, he did not attend the university. Instead, he was forced to attend a local junior college and study to become a photo technician. Does it say why his grades dropped dramatically? Yeah, so we go into it a little bit in just a minute, but his grandfather actually died. Oh, I see. Okay. In college, his strangeness only deepened. He took crotch shots of female players on the tennis courts. He at one point loved going through pornographic magazines, but these eventually became boring to him because he said, quote, they black out the most important part. Which is the, I'm assuming the genitals is what Mm -hmm. he's focusing on. Yeah. In 1984, Miyazaki began to seek out child porn, which was not filled with censorship as obscenity laws in Japan only ban pubic hair and not sex organs. Did you know that? Mm Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. I was shocked when I read that. In 1988, his grandfather passed away. His grandfather was the only person that he felt truly cared for him or his own happiness. And it's believed that when he passed away, this was really the tipping point. The question really comes down to if he had this disturbance in him all along or developed it in a response to his grandfather's death. It remains unknown, but timing would suggest it was following the death of his grandfather. Family members reported seeing a change in him almost immediately. They reported that he had begun spying on his little sisters when they showered, then attacked them when they confronted him. At one point, he even attacked his mother. His mother, that's really his sister? His mother, that's really his sister. Miyazaki himself admitted that after his grandfather was cremated, he ate some of the ashes in order to feel close to him while distancing himself from his family. He was quoted telling police officers after his arrest that, quote, I felt all alone, and whenever I saw a little girl playing on her own, it was almost like seeing myself. We're not done yet, though. The worst is yet to come. So he's attacking little girls. His, his sisters, right? He attacked his sisters after his, he was spying on them in the shower. And these sisters would be his biological nieces, I'm assuming, right? Well, his mother's a sister, so yeah. Yeah, okay, so he's attacking his biological niece, and then he's saying to the police officer, whatever, I saw a little girl playing on her own. It was almost like seeing myself. Right. Okay, and then he focuses on crotch shots. Yes, and he ate the ashes of his grandfather to feel closer to him. Did you know a lot of people actually do that? They eat someone's ashes? Yes, to feel close to them. Really? It's actually, it's a condition. I can't remember what it's called, but it is fairly common. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. And I also thought the part about the, he got into child pornography was very interesting as well. He kind of just went for a little spin after his grandfather died. I still find it interesting that it says, and whenever I saw a little girl playing on her own, it was almost like seeing myself. Does he have any issues with transgender, transsexual as we move forward? Not that it comes up in the case, but I mean, he could have. It was really hard to actually do any research on this case because not a lot is known about him. And I'm assuming it's because he, there's not a lot of Japanese 
serial killers that people talk about. I'm sure they exist. I know they exist. Well, I mean, it's it's shameful in our culture, right? So it's, right. it's not something that's going to be publicly known. Right. So are you stating that everything that we're kind of going through right now, you feel like he could be leaning towards possibly being a transgender? No, I think it can go two different ways, right? So his sister is his mother and his sister and his nieces bullied him. Okay, so he's going to have a negative outlook on women in general. He was bullied all throughout life in school because of his defect, which also is a contributing factor to if it was incest, but it came from his biological sister, right? right? So that can go towards women and or her as well. And then the fact that he was bullied specifically by children. Right. Right. Usually people that are abused sexually, physically, whichever gender it may be that is the most dominant, I think those are the targets usually when they continue the cycle of abuse. That's who they're going to go after. Right. So do you think there was some kind of hidden agenda, I guess, in him wanting to become a teacher? Because I thought that was interesting. You had a horrible time in school. Kids were awful to you. You don't want anyone to see your hands, which you can't really hide that if you're going to be a teacher, but that's what you wanted to do. Maybe he was looking at it as, I never had any heroes. I never had anybody that I could look up to that was a role model, so I can be that person for these kids. You can see it that way, or yes, you can go through it the way that you're, It's it would be an easy target. But in my mind, mind if he put himself in that position and did something to one of his potential students then it's it's a no-brainer he's the main target right right away right no that totally makes sense in august of 1988 one day after his 26th birthday miyazaki abducted four-year-old mari kono he told police that he simply approached her outside led her back to his car then drove off. He murdered the young girl, stripped off her clothes, and raped her. He carefully undressed her, left her naked body in the woods, and returned home with her clothing. Wow, that escalated very quickly. See, this is why I have to give the trigger warnings, I'm telling you. But it does escalate very fast. And he was 26 years old? Yes, it was a day after his 26th birthday. For several weeks, he let the body decompose in the woods. He would go back and check on it occasionally. Eventually, he removed her hands and feet and kept them in his closet. Interesting. So he's got her clothes, leaves the body out in the woods, occasionally goes back, checks on it, and then he cuts off her hands and her feet and he takes them back to his closet. I can understand why he would cut her hands off, but I don't understand the The feet. feet. Especially since she's already dead, she can't go anywhere. Right. Miyazaki then called her family. What? He didn't speak into the phone, but rather just sat on the line, breathing heavily. If the family didn't answer the phone, he kept calling until he got a response. In the weeks that would follow the young girl's disappearance, he also sent the family a box of evidence with a note. So I couldn't find anything about the note. I searched everywhere and it just literally said he left them a note with a box of evidence. I'm sure it was her clothes and possibly one of her appendages. Isn't that insane though? And then you call the family and just breathe heavily on the line and then repeatedly call if they don't answer. Like, I I don't know if he did it because his whole entire life, right? He's been bullied and he's felt helpless. Right. So in my mind, that's, that's the ultimate torture. Not only did I kill rape, and kidnap your daughter, right? right? I'm I'm sitting on the line and I'm not saying anything to you and you have all of this going on and you know it's me. I don't even have to say anything. So it's just kind of like a, yeah, 
it's me. And yes, I took her and I don't yeah. have this, you know, it's me. Yeah. It's just kind of like a, a game. And I'm sure that they were completely helpless. Yeah. That's really sad. In October of 1988, he abducted a second little girl. His victim was seven-year-old Masami Yoshiwa. I'm sure. Yoshizawa. I... Thank you. I definitely needed your help there. Yoshizawa. Yeah. <laughs> Who he had seen walking home along the road. He offered her a ride, and then just as he had with Mari, drove her to the woods and killed her. Again, he sexually assaulted the corpse and left it naked in the woods while he took her clothing with him home So this is well. two months after the first murder. So did, I know the first one he raped her, right? So is this saying that he would rape them after he killed them? Yes. Okay, that makes me feel, I mean, obviously I don't feel great about him murdering, but that doesn't, that's, all right, never mind. That makes me feel a little bit better that they didn't suffer that while they were alive. Yeah, so he has done this the same way twice now. Parents of young girls in Japan started to panic. I mean, how could you not? Yeah. The kidnapper and serial killer had been named the Otaka. Is that how you say that? Otaku. Thank you, killer. Otaku. <laughs> and Otaku. I needed your help. And his crimes were called the Little Girl Murders. Within an eight-month period, the murderer would escalate as two more young girls would go missing, both in the same manner as before. So that's four girls total now, all killed and raped the same way. And they're all around the same ages, They're right? all around the same Seven ages. Seven and four. Oh, they're significantly young. So next, we've got four-year-old Erica Namba, who was abducted while walking home along the road. However, this time, he forced her into the car and instructed her to take off her own clothing in the back seat. So this time he did not undress this one. Okay. Miyazaki took photos of her, murdered her, and then tied her hands and feet, which strays violently from his usual MO. Mm -hmm. Rather than leave her body in the murder scene out in the woods, this time he placed her in the trunk of his car under a bedsheet. Then he dumped her body in a parking lot and her clothes nearby in the woods. That's a little confusing because I think that by dumping them in the woods, you're leading them to the other two bodies. I don't, sometimes I don't understand serial killers and this just warrants me to think that he wanted to get caught at this point. Well, yeah, because you're leaving her in a parking lot. Someone's going to see her, you know? That's crazy. So like Mari's family, Erica's family, which was our last victim, also received a box. So only these two victims have received a box, their family? Yes. Okay. But with this box, however, also came a note. This note read, quote, Erica, cold, cough, throat, rest, death, end quote. I was waiting to see what you had to say about that note because that was very, very detailed. I was actually looking at the first letters of the words, trying to see if it came up with an acronym and I don't, I don't see anything. It's E-C-C-T-R-D and that didn't, no acronym came up for me. Isn't that interesting? So one more time for everybody else, I'm going to read it again. So the note that went with Erica's box that was sent to her family read, Erica, cold, cough, throat, rest death. So when he murdered her, did he strangle her or did he slit her throat? Exactly. That could really go either way. That's kind of how I took it because we instantly go to talking about her throat, which would obviously have to do with her cough and you're putting her to rest. And then the cold part could definitely be clearly she's cold. You made her get naked and put her in your trunk. She's wrapped up in a bed sheet. 
Yeah, and then you left her in a parking lot. And she's without her clothes, yeah. Right. So we have one more final victim to discuss, and this is possibly the most disturbing. <sighs> Miyazaki abducted five-year-old Akeo Numato in June of 1989. Did you want to correct my wording there? No, that's fine. <laughs> he convinced her to let him photograph her, then murdered her and took her corpse home this time, rather than dump her in the woods he had previously done. At home... He spent two days sexually abusing the corpse, photographing her, and masturbating as well as dismembering the body and drinking the little girl's blood. Oh my god. He even began to munch on her hands and feet. Jessica's face right now. I always go back to video podcast. As soon as she began to decompose, Miyazaki dismembered the rest of her body and deposited the parts in various locations around Tokyo, including a cemetery, a public toilet, and nearby woods. However, he began to fear that the police would find the parts in a cemetery, and two weeks later, he returned to retrieve them. After that, he kept the dismembered body at his home in his closet random i find it very interesting as well that all the body parts go in the closet i don't know if it's just because it's a good hiding spot for him but this one got interesting because now we drank her blood and we we began to eat her body well he obviously has an asphyxiation right because of his defect with his with the hands so he's eating the thing that he hates the most or that he resents the most on the body i didn't think about that that's a really good thought that makes a lot of sense but i don't under this is my problem with true crime Right. We, we always have these kind of talks about if you were a serial killer, I don't understand why we make things so easy to get caught. Right. Dear future serial killers, kill the person, dismember <laughs> the body and bury it and be done. There's Nevada. There's Utah. Not that I've thought about this or anything. We don't support that on this podcast. I'm just, I'm, I get confused by... Well, I think at some point it gets to the point where they almost want to be caught. Or maybe it's like a game. Like, let's see if I can get caught and how far I can push it. This is very Jeffrey Dahmer to me, to keep the dismembered body parts and stuff. So let's talk about how this disgusting human being gets caught. The police were able to identify Mari's remains from the box of evidence he sent to her family, and Mari's our first victim. I'm assuming then it was her hands, which probably had her fingerprints. Miyazaki watched the police announce their discovery and sent the parents a confession letter in which he described Mari's four-year-old body in decomposition. The letter read, quote, Before I knew it, the child's corpse had gone rigid. I wanted to cross her hands over her breast, but they wouldn't budge. Pretty soon, the body gets red spots all over it. Big red spots. After a while, the body is covered with stretch marks. It was so rigid before, but now it feels like it's full of water. And it smells. How it smells. Like nothing you've ever smelled in the whole wide world. End quote. How terrible... Can you imagine being the parents and that is such a graphic letter and how devastating would that be to read this? Like the two of us to read this and this could be our daughter and just the thought of what was translating with her body and how it was evolving and it would just, oh, that's so terrible to me. Oh, it's horrible. And you know that they're going to remember that for life. They probably replay getting that letter in their head numerous times. I mean, how could you not? I think people's imaginations are far worse sometimes than the actual reality of what's happening. Absolutely. 
The killer was finally arrested as he was attempting his fifth kidnapping. In July of 1989, Miyazaki spotted two sisters playing in their yard. He managed to separate the youngest one from her older sister and drag her into his car. The older sister ran to get her father, who arrived to find Miyazaki taking photos of his daughter in his car. The father attacked Miyazaki and got his daughter out of the car, but was unable to catch Miyazaki, who ran off on foot. However, he circled back later to retrieve his car and was ambushed by the police. What an idiot. <laughs> he goes back to get it, thinks that it's fine. I just don't know why you would even go after two potential victims in the yard like you're not gonna get your ass kicked by the parent well maybe he thought hey i've gotten away with this four different times i'm gonna be a little risky and attempt two girls at once i think he was trying to get caught upon being arrested the police organized a search of both his car and his apartment and both turned up disturbing evidence in his apartment police found over 5000 videotapes Good some of <laughs> some of anime and slasher films and some homemade videos of himself abusing the corpses mm -hmm. They also found pictures of his other victims and pieces of their clothing. And of course, they discovered the body of his fourth victim decomposing in his bedroom closet, her hands missing. I wonder what his neighbors felt. I, this is what I mean by this is this reminds me of Jeffrey Dahmer because you this is going to smell horrific. Oh, Just like yeah. he said in his letter, but how did nobody smell that smell even with gacy people were able to smell all of those decomposing corpses right. so. and they didn't say anything mm -hmm. throughout his entire trial miyazaki remained incredibly calm reporters noted that he was almost indifferent to his arrest and was entirely unbothered by the things he had done or the fate he was facing he answered all of the questions he was asked calmly and appeared rational in his thinking. When he was asked directly about his crimes, he blamed them on Ratman, his alter ego, who lived inside him and forced him to do terrible things. Psychologists who examined him during his trials pinpointed his lack of connection with his parents as an early sign of his disturbance. They also noted that since he had no connection with his family, he had instead turned to a fantasy world. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, his parents publicly disowned him and his father refused to pay for any of his son's legal fees, and his father would go on to later commit suicide in 1994. I, this is what I find interesting is his father obviously disowned him because he was ashamed of him, right? And these are really horrible acts. And in the Japanese culture, your name is everything. You do not do anything to dishonor your family name. But I, what I find interesting is the father already ruined the family name by having an incestuous relationship with his older sister. So, right. Yeah. Right. It's, it's horrible. So while I was doing my research on this, I read an interesting statement that quoted, in today's day, this argument of his fantasy world could perhaps be linked to those assert video games that promote gun violence. What do you think about that? I don't know if I agree with that exactly, because what I think is by him getting bullied and being so isolated and being alone, he did create this alter ego. And in my mind, that leans more towards him having the ability of having a split and or dual personality Right. that would then take over and right. he would be disassociated 
which I wonder if he had disassociated personality disorder as well. Yes. Um, especially with the lack of empathy and feeling and all of that. But uh, I don't I don't know if I agree with the video games and promote gun violence thing. I put that in there just to see what you would say. <laughs> I think that's always an easy out. I'm not saying it that is. it doesn't it's not a big contributing factor. I just in this case, I don't I don't see it. Right. His trial took seven years to decide if he was of sound mind and understood the crimes he had committed. Yeah. Seven years. I'm not surprised by that. Even though he was calm, right? And even though he admitted and answered everything, it's, yes, there's definitely some psychological issues in play just from the very beginning. Right. The courts eventually found Miyazaki of sound mind and thus made him eligible for the death penalty. In 2008, Miyazaki finally answered for the terrible crimes he had committed and he was hung. Oh, wow. In 2008? In 2008. That's very... I mean, listen, I'm I'm all for the death penalty if, if it's, you know, necessary, but by hanging, that's very... Right. Barbaric. What did you think of that case? I think it's really sad because I think that he was set to fail from the very beginning. From that's, the very beginning. Yes, and I think his family, although they are ashamed of him, should honestly be very ashamed of themselves because they developed who he became yeah it kind of it starts with them it kind of goes back to what i said in the very beginning that he was born into darkness it's really sad yes it's very sad i and i'm not saying that i i'm making an excuse for him and i'm not saying that he should be held accountable he was held accountable for his own actions i'm merely stating it started with his family absolutely ah that was a heavy one it's crazy are you ready to hear some tea Oh, your favorite part. (laughs) Your favorite part. I don't know if it's my favorite part, but you know. Planning is hugely important when trying to pull off a crime. And it is essential to the success of the act that every detail be well thought through in advance. But Derek Mosley didn't place very high importance on these things before he decided to rob a gun store armed with only a baseball bat. Seeing as it was a gun shop, the manager pulled a gun on the would-be robber and kept him in the crosshairs until authorities arrived. (laughs) I'm confused how people can be so stupid. I'm telling you, every week, it's dumber and dumber. I'm going to rob a gun store with a baseball bat and hope for the best. I bet you the guy's gun wasn't even loaded. (laughs) He probably just grabbed like one of the... The things off the shelf. I probably did. Well, that's my tea for the week. (laughs) Oh, man. So stupid. I don't understand people. What's my line? Speaking of stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of stupid things. uh, Do you want to hear my joke? Absolutely. It's a funny one. Well, they're usually always funny. I don't know if you're ready for this one. I'm probably not. Let's hear it. What's the best thing about Switzerland? Ooh, I don't know what. I don't know. But the flag is a big plus. That one was great. Before we end this episode, we wanted to announce that our podcast, The Tea on Crime, has now joined Patreon. For those of you that aren't familiar with what that is, it is a monthly subscription page platform that will be ad-free with bonus episodes that are exclusive only to our Patreon listeners. So head on over to our page at patreon.com slash teaoncrime to hear more tea being spilled. We're really excited to provide you with bonus content. And then as always, everybody, we really appreciate your support. That's it for today's episode. 
For all of our teaaholics that enjoyed our show today, please remember to go and rate the show on whatever platform you are listening to. Give us a follow on Facebook at Tea on Crime Podcast, Instagram at Tea on Crime Podcast, Twitter at Tea on Crime Pod, and TikTok at Tea on Crime Podcast. I'm your host, Britt. And I'm your co-host, Jessica. And we will be back next week to serve you more tea on all things true crime. Bye!